I'm a little nervous. I'll tell you why in a second. But can you guys pray with me? That's what I love to do when I'm nervous. <laughs> Dad, thank you for an opportunity to minister your word this, this evening. Father, I thank you, Lord, for um, the presence of your spirit that is here. I thank you for the presence of your people that are here, my Lord. I ask, Father, that you would impart your words to each and every one of us exactly where we are at in life, Lord, through the message this evening, my Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord. Speak through me and bless us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. The reason I'm a little nervous is because it's actually been two years since I preached. I told Matt last weekend, he didn't know this, but the very day, the very Sunday that, uh, as Justice shared with you, that we were voted to be released from pastoring the church here in Buena Park um, is the two-year anniversary this day. <laughs> and um, it's been a rough road for us, but a necessary road, a good road, a restorative road. And I want to thank each and every one of you in all of your different ways that you have ministered to me, my wife, and my son uh, through these last two years. Um, and so uh, it is an honor for me to be able to stand here and share the word with you um, two years after we're asked to leave. But I think the Lord has a word for everybody. I think the Lord has a word for the church as a whole, and I think the word, Lord has a word for you individually. And it's going to hit some of you. Um, it may encourage you. It may discomfort you. <laughs> it may comfort you. It may motivate you. Whatever the Holy Spirit has in mind for you, that's my prayer. Um, our job as pastors is just to deliver the word. The Holy Spirit's job is to do the rest. Amen? Amen. We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 6, but before we do, <clears throat> I want to tell you a little story. A few months ago, Justice had come to me and said, Dad, I want to know if there's a way that I can make a little bit of money because I want to buy some things. He's into shoes right now. And I said, well, yeah, yeah, sure, there's some things that you can do. And so I started thinking in my head as his, as his dad, what are some things that he could do to make a little bit of money for himself and learning a little bit of responsibility. And one of the things that I thought of is I remember when I was his age was you could go around the neighborhood and mow some grass because he's already mowing ours. So I came up to Justice and I said, Justice, you know, there's, there's a few families in the neighborhood that I know don't have any gardeners and you can mow some grass. He said, oh, hmm, okay. A few weeks went by. I said, Justice, because he's still asking, is there anything I could do to make a little money? I said, well, bud, there's, you, know, you, can, you can mow some grass. And he said, oh, okay. Then I gave him another reminder, and then one day, a couple weeks ago, he said, Dad, you know, I think I'm going to go over to the neighbor's house and ask him if I can mow his grass. 
And I told him, I said, okay, this is how you do it. You go up to him, be respectful. You ask if, you, you just tell him that you want to make a little bit of money. You're trying to buy some things. But don't tell him how much you want to um, charge. You let him do that. You tell him, whatever you want to pay me is, is okay with me. You go there with humility. So I went with him. I stood at the, the edge of the driveway. He went up to the door, and he knocked, and the guy came out, and he asked him. Next thing I hear is, oh, I'm going to pay him 30 bucks. Now, I'm trying to talk him down, $30. Are you kidding me? Who's paying $30 to run? I didn't make that kind of money when I was mowing grass. And I said, $30? And he said, yeah, you guys going to edge too? And I said, well, yeah, yeah, we'll edge. Now, this grass in some places was pretty high. I knew it was getting dark. And I thought, you know, this kid can't handle this all by himself. He doesn't know how to use the trimmer. So guess what? I'm in there also mowing, you know, mowing the grass, helping him out, trimming the edge. And um, he gets 30 bucks out of it. <laughs> what else you got up your sleeve, my man? I have a point to that story, but I'll tell you at the end what that point is. So if you have a Bible or your app, or you can see it on the screen, turn to Mark chapter 6, 32 through 44. All right, we got nothing on that side. So I'm going to read from here because <laughs> it's, it's in the NLT, but I have my NIV right here. So they left by the boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also, gave, he also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. God is calling you individually. He's calling me. He's calling this church to tell you, you feed them. You feed them. And we're going to look through this passage at various verses, seven different principles that we can see modeled by Christ and his disciples about how they were to go about feeding the people. See, what we don't understand, if you read prior to what we just read, you'll understand that the disciples were just finished 
being sent out by Jesus two by two to cast out demons, heal the sick, minister and preach the word of the kingdom that is coming. And they just came back and was reporting everything that they had done to Jesus. And Jesus said, you know what? You guys are tired. You guys are hungry. And at this time, while the disciples were going out, that doesn't mean Jesus was just sitting back and you know, having a little drink and everything. He was still working. And when they came back, people were coming and going, as the scripture says. And Jesus said, let's come away with me. Let's get a little rest. Let's, let's have something to eat. So they got into a boat and they left. Now, everybody that was coming and going saw that they got into the boat and they beat feeted to try to get there ahead of them, wherever they were going. And by the time they got there, guess what? There was a crowd of people, over 5,000. Scholars will say, if you want to double the amount, it's like 10,000 people. 5,000 men and their wives and their kids, so more than 10,000 possibly. And so when he got to this point and he saw the crowd, the disciples are like, oh, man, you know, we just came here for some rest. Have you ever, ever feel like you need a little rest from all of the time and all the labor and all the work? I know Matt and Sheila constantly are feeling like they need a little rest and wanting to tell you guys, you feed them. You do that ministry. You do this. I think God is bringing City Church to a place where Matt and Sheila are going to be delegating more and giving you opportunities for you to feed them because God has placed City Church exactly where he wants them, where he wants you, where he wants us because there is a crowd. In Buena Park, about every square mile is about 7,900 people. You're in the sand track. That could be about a square mile. It's about 8,000 people. Now, the disciples were only 12, and they fed 10,000. Imagine what God has in mind to do through you to feed 8,000 with the kingdom of God, with the word of God, with his hands, with his feet. So here's what we're going to learn. Here are some things that we can look at and learn from in terms of knowing what it's like or knowing how to feed people. And like I said, this is gonna be a refresher for some of you. Some of you already know how to do this. You've been doing it. This will maybe be new for some of you. Whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, respond, respond. The first thing that we see in this whole encounter with Jesus and the disciples and the crowd was that is to see the need. Jesus is trying to help his disciples see the need. He wants them to put on the virtual reality of the kingdom of God and see what God sees. He wants them to feel what God feels. He wants them to do what God does. Jesus himself said in John chapter 5 verse 19 that whatever he sees the father doing he does because the father is always working and he's always working so Jesus is already seeing what the father is already doing and so he's trying to 
teach his disciples and show them, listen, I'm trying to show you what I am doing so that when I leave, you will know how to do the same thing. You will be able to see how I see, how the Father sees. You'll be able to think the way the Father thinks. You'll be able to do what the Father is doing. He's inviting them. In fact, he had just sent them out. They're tired. Jesus is tired. He gets on the other side after they're in the boat, and he's teaching the people. Look, this is, this is what he saw. He saw a huge crowd. He saw, he felt compassion for them because what did he see? He saw that they were sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them. And so when it gets to the point where, where he is wanting to show these disciples to invite them in, in what they're doing, the disciples are like, dude, Jesus, we need to rest, man. You need to rest. We need to eat. Send them, send them away. Send, send them, go, let them go into the villages and buy a bunch of food. And Jesus is like, mm-mm, you feed them. What? what, what? How, how, how are we supposed to feed them? We, what, look what we got. We don't have anything to feed 10,000 people. Are you nuts? See, they're still learning, <laughs> as we all are, still learning how to see as God sees. But Jesus said, seek how much bread do you have? Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. So the first thing that we need to understand is learn to see the need. See what God sees. That means we need to be spending time with him, spending time with one another, learning to discern when God is speaking to us from his word, learning to discern when God is speaking to us through God's people, learning to discern when God is speaking to us through circumstances. Many of us are not seeing as God is seeing or thinking or feeling as God is feeling because we are not, we don't have the kingdom of God goggles on. We still have the kingdom of the world goggles on. We're seeing every circumstance and situation responding to people, responding to circumstances in a human sort of way that's causing more problems, causing more stress, causing more anxiety. And God is saying, listen, I want to teach you, I want to show you how to put the goggles on and keep them on so that you can reflect me, so that you can see what I see, so you can respond accordingly, and so that you are at peace. You're at rest, but you're in motion. <laughs> see, City Church has been brought here by God, and it is a time of rest, but it's not a time of being still, of standing still. God wants to keep us in motion. God wants to keep you in motion. It's a restful motion. He wants to teach us how to be moving and still building the kingdom of God. So first we need to see the need. And so when Jesus asked them, well, what, what do you have? See, in those times, it was customary, common for Jewish people to carry around baskets. They carried these baskets around. They had bread. They had fish. Wherever they traveled on foot, wherever they went, they'd have baskets. And Romans would actually make fun of them because they're like begging, people begging, asking, asking for stuff. So the disciples already have these baskets. So when Jesus said, go and find out what you have, 
the disciples went to a basket and said, this is what we got. You know, five loaves and two fish. That's not going to feed 10,000 people. What are we going to do with that? But see, God wants you. That's how we come to, to God sometimes. Dude, God, this is all I got. I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. I'm not as talented at this, as this person over here. I don't have this type of gifting over here. And God is just saying, well, just give me what you got. Some of you may not realize the gifts that you have. And maybe now it's time for you to seek out those gifts, your talents, the skills, the acquired skills that you have, the spiritual gifts, Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Peter chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4. These are all gifts that God has given every single one of his children to do the work of God. See, it's not Pastor Matt's job. Pastor Matt's job, if you look at Ephesians 4, and some of you know this, but if you look at Ephesians 4, Pastor Matt's job is to equip the people of God in the church to do the work, to do the work at your home, to do the work at work, to do the work at school, to do the work within the body of Christ, to do the work in the community. Does he have a hard job? Yes. Is he doing all that himself? Yes, he's in the community. He's reaching people. They're both reaching people. But his main job is to feed the word of God and equip and teach you and encourage you to say, you feed them. You do more work. So if you don't know what your gifts are, it's time to seek them. See, the disciples had to go back and they had to find out what was in the basket. They had to find out how many clothes you have. Don't use as an excuse that you're not gifted. Everybody's gifted. You just don't know what it is yet. You have talents. You have acquired skills. You have abilities. The education that you have, the experience that you have, don't allow your age as an excuse, young or old, to say, I'm no of use to the kingdom of God. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. God just wants to take what you have. So the, first, the second thing that you need to do is, is you need to seek out your gifts. Find out what they are. And then surrender your gifts. Surrender them. See, Jesus said in verse 41, Jesus took the five loaves and two fish. See, in order for Jesus to take, they had to give away. See, surrender your gifts. Everything that you know how to do, every gift and talent that you have, God wants control of. Oof, that's hard. Especially in this society, we want to keep control. God is saying, you know what? I want to take your gift and I want to expand it. I want to do something. I want your life to matter in my kingdom because I want to reflect myself through you to a world that needs me. So surrender your gifts. We have a little square thing on the, on the um, <clears throat> just as we're leaving the door that Linda put up not too long ago. It's from 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says, when whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. You own a business, do it to the glory of God. 
You build apartments, do it to the glory of God. You play worship, do the glory of God. You go to school, you play sports, do it to the glory of God. Give your gifts and let God do something with them. Look what he did. Look what he did with the, the five loaves of bread and two fish. When you surrender your gifts, when you give him control of your life, that's what he's asking. And the spirit expands. The spirit of God. See, Jesus took these gifts and that's what we can model. We can take our gifts, we can take them to God and say, Lord, these gifts are yours. Bless them. Use them for your glory, for your honor, for the building of your kingdom and for my joy in the service of your kingdom. The spirit of God expands. He divides and multiplies just as you see those cells. That's, that's the kingdom of God math. God divides in order to multiply. The, the, the challenging situation that Matt went through and Sheila and their whole family when they were at the warehouse was an issue of division in order to multiply. See, sometimes we as pastors and very much needing, you know, importantly, sometimes the words don't get mixed up, but they do get mixed up, so... We want unity. We're to preserve unity. We're called to make sure that there is unity. But sometimes God, in his multiplication vision, says there has to be some division. Paul and Barnabas is an example. Sometimes the division means it's not fun. It's, un it's uncomfortable. That's the type that we try not to get into. But sometimes the division, if, if it's possible, you want it to be sweet, sweet communion, sweet fellowship, so that God can multiply. And when he, when he did that with Paul and Barnabas in Acts chapter 15, they had a sharp dispute of who to take with them. Paul took Silas, Barnabas took Mark. They couldn't agree. But see, God had, they wanted to encourage the churches, but now God could actually encouraged the churches doubled what was being done if it was just Paul and Barnabas. So sometimes division is necessary all for the glory of God to multiply. So God wants to take, he wants to expand your gifts, your abilities and use them in such a way that you had never imagined them to be used before. That's what the Spirit of God does. That's what the Spirit of God did in the midst of Jesus praying about the five loaves and the two fishes. The Spirit of God was working, and he kept feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding and feeding. So the Spirit expands. Surrender your gifts. The Spirit expands what you have given them. And then you have an opportunity to serve with God. Jesus initially, when the disciples said, no, I don't want to do that. Send these people away. I'm tired. God said, you feed them. I'm tired too. 
but you feed them. I'm still going to work, but you feed them. You're going to be a part of this. See, Jesus is inviting you to serve with God. Now, many of us I know are serving God. You've been serving God. You've been pouring your heart out into this church. Matt knows that. And it is time for some rest, but it's time for some harvest that's coming. That means there's some work for us to do, some great work. There's some work going on this Thursday night. How are we going to reflect the kingdom of God to a thousand people that come our way? You feed them. I feed them. Serve with him. That's what God is inviting you and I to do. Do what he says. That's what he says. Look. Then Jesus told the disciples, to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. He kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. Do what he says. Have them sit down. Okay, have them sit down. You may not understand why the heck God is telling you to do a certain thing, but if you're spending time with him and he says, go pray for this person. When I was at work a few weeks ago, we have a lot of medicinal products in our warehouse. I deliver safety equipment right now. And there's a lot of medicinal products that we can't keep in the first aid boxes. So I'm sitting there and I'm just standing there. I'm like, man, they're just, they're just piling up. What a waste. How are we going to use it? And an idea came to my head. And I went in and I told the, the owner, I said, hey, you know, you could use this medicinal product to give to a missions organization or ministry, a nonprofit that could actually provide medicinal products that are needed for people in other third world countries, for medical missions. See, God told me to put that on my heart, so I obeyed. Now, it's up to him as the owner of the company. He thought it was a great idea. Now, what he's done with it, how much he's followed through, I don't know. I've prayed for the owner of my company. I prayed for the other worker. You can do the same thing. It doesn't have to be something extravagant. It can be something simple. But that simplicity can go a long ways. Amen? You bowl. Dean, that's your mission field. Yeah. You have a purpose, my man. Your ability to bowl can lead other peoples to bowl for the kingdom of God. <laughs> Amen? God wants, to, God wants us to serve with him. But we have to do what he says. It may not make sense in the moment, but we need to do what he says. And when we do what he says, souls are touched. Souls are touched. People were fed. 10,000 people were fed. 10,000 people were not just fed, but they were nourished earlier by the teaching of Jesus. Their souls were fed, their stomachs were fed. And guess who else was fed? Guess who else was nourished? The disciples. In serving, we are being served by the Lord. We are being nourished. 
We are being encouraged. We are being mm, invigorated for the kingdom of God. Jesus said in John 15, 80, he said, by this my father is glorified that you bear much. God desires for you and I to bear fruit for his kingdom. And that gives him glory. That gives him credit. So when we are seeing the need, when we are seeking our gifts, when we're surrendering our gifts, when we are allowing the spirit to expand our gifts and we're serving with God and the souls are touched, we see God's glory. We see God move. The disciples saw God move. They still didn't get it because the whole point of Jesus doing this miracle and many of the miracles was so that people would see him. People would come to know Jesus. People would come to know God, the one who made them. The whole point of the God giving you gifts and abilities, the whole point of you having an education, the whole point of you having your experiences is so that you can show people who God is and give you joy in doing it. Now, is it tough? Yes. Is it hard? Yes. Jesus said that if you leave mother and father and wife and children and houses for my sake, you will have more mothers, more fathers, more children, more houses. Then he says, and persecutions. <laughs> don't forget that part. That's the part we don't like to hear. When we are serving God, yes, you're going to get persecuted. And sometimes, unfortunately, it's in the church. But God uses that for his glory and for his good and for your good. Whatever you are facing, whatever you have gone through, God is for your good. He's using it for his glory. You want to see the glory of God? You want to see the presence of God. You want to see God at work. You want to see God do stuff through you, in you. But it's so that you can know God better. And so that you can experience and know him in a personal way. That's God's heart for us to know him, for us to see him. It's not so much seeing, oh, what an awesome miracle, what an awesome healing. Those are important, those are cool, those are amazing. But God wants you to see him. That's the point of the miracle. See me, worship me. See, when Justice was doing this business of mowing the grass, see, his daddy saw something that Justice didn't see. Justice had the ability to mow grass. But see, it took his dad to help him see what he did not see, the opportunity to mow grass. Now is the time for you to see what God sees. And then he took the ability that he had, but, but he, was, he couldn't do it by himself. So his father had to come and do it with him. 
See, he expanded his ability by giving him a little extra push, a little extra power to do the work that he was called to do. And he surrendered. When I told him I had to do what he didn't want me to do, I took over. He surrendered. He did it. He served, he was serving with his father, doing a work. He got to know his father a little bit better. And in return, God gave him 30 bucks. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless this church. Psalm 127, one says this, unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord builds your marriage, your work is wasted. Unless the Lord builds your family, your work is wasted. Unless the Lord builds your ministry, your work is wasted. Unless the Lord builds this church, the labor is wasted. See, God needs to be involved. Let him. Let him show you how to be a right husband or wife, a better son or daughter. Let him show you how to do the ministry. Let him show you how to run the business the way he's designed it. Let him show you how to fulfill the gifts that God has given you to build the kingdom of God. You feed them. I feed them. We feed them. And he gets the glory. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Yeah. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, my Lord, for our time together. I thank you for this body. I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching every heart in this room that heard you this tonight. Lord, they didn't hear my word, they heard your word. And Lord, I ask that you would allow that word to be planted in good soil so it bears fruit for your kingdom, for your glory, and for their good. Lord, reveal to Matt. See, show him what you see in this community. Show the leadership, show the council what you are seeing so that the city church can do what you are wanting them to do, to reach people for the kingdom of God, to see you as God and acknowledge you as God. Lord, I praise you. We praise you tonight for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Will you guys thank uh, John Jeffrey?